This week on the Magnificently Huge Podcast, Fresh Travaganza! Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Welcome everyone to the Magnificently Huge Podcast. My name is Brian, and this week my friends Chris and Eric will be joining me, and we're just going to be talking about all of the movies and TV and stuff we've been doing in the month of December, because... Well, there was a lot. December 2018, at least I went and saw tons of movies. And so we're going to cover, we're going to talk about the big hitters, Mary Poppins Returns. We're going to hit Spider-Man, Into the Spider-Verse, and Aquaman, and even 2.0, an amazing import from India. As always, uh, please check out our website, maghuge.com, M-A-G-H-U-G-E.com. And there you'll find ways to contact us. You can find links to our Twitter feed, at maghuge. Our Facebook, Magnificently Huge. Our Instagram, Magnificently Huge. And a link to email us at magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. We got a whole lot to get into here, so I'm just going to let her rip. Let's go with the freshest. Hey, we're back, everybody. Bit of a vacation. How was everybody's break? A, a Christmas vacation. As it were. <laughs> As it was. <laughs> How was everybody's holiday? Great. Pretty good. Let's get on with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I, you get the feeling our, our, our works are going to be a little gummy since we you know, came back from rest and vacating. Yeah, it's been what, like three weeks? It's been a while. It's been a while. Been a while. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> yeah, most people won't realize this because it's the magic of podcasting, but it has been three weeks. Yes. Uh, I think that's why we just decided to just do a free for all this time, right? Because yeah, we, so we don't have any ideas. Right. I've, I've done well. I've done so much like movie going in the last three weeks that I suggested we just do a fresh extravaganza because I've yeah. got like way more. Uh, of those movies and shows and things than we usually cover in a segment we call the Fresh It. This shit is fresh. Oh, shit, that is fresh. This stuff is really fresh. Yeah. (laughs) That was the bump. It made you wait for it. Yeah. (laughs) Excellent. Uh, So, uh, how do, do you want to just do this like a round robin? Like a row, row, row your boat. We kind might of as thing. well. I yeah. figure there's a good chance I've got overlap with you guys. So if you guys want to go early. Okay. Um, let's see. Eric doesn't always go first. Let's yeah. make him go first. Okay. Uh, I want to so hear. I, I want to hear. I finally saw a movie. Um, I went to see Mary Poppins Returns. Oh, that's one of mine. Yeah. Damn it. Mary Poppins Endgame. <laughs> oh, that's... Yes. I wish yeah, I thought of that. When the, uh, the Infinity War sequel trailer came out, in Avengers Endgame, that's all I could think of, was every movie now just needs to be Endgame. Mary Poppins Endgame. 
Okay, so Eric, what inspires you? You don't necessarily always go to the theaters. You were inspired to go see Mary Poppins Returns. I love Tell Mary Poppins. I think that movie is awesome. Uh, I try. I seem to watch it once a year, I think. Uh, I just love it. Really? Yeah, I love so, that movie. True confession, I've never seen it end to end. Oh my God. My wife, I told her that this morning, and she's like, really? <laughs> yeah, but you How know what? I've not seen Mary Poppins. Yeah, neither have I. Put that oh. in your pipe and smoke it. Yeah, huh. it's a beautiful movie. Um, I, it's I sort was, of. For I, me, I kind of, of felt I had to see Mary Poppins Returns just to see if it was, you know, going to be, I don't know, um, uh, if it was going to ruin it. Yeah. So does it ruin it? Because I don't. I only get to see it through the eyes of a fresh viewer. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't ruin it, but it doesn't add anything. Let me let me put it this way: the. Uh, Cousin Topsy, who, you know, has the, mm. as the, that musical number, that's Meryl Streep. That is structurally exactly from, uh, uh, when Mary and the kids, uh, visit her uncle who keeps laughing and it makes him float up in the air. Uh, when they go inside of the painting in the bowl, it is exactly like when they go inside the chalk painting in the park in the original it's like they do everything but they do it different yeah that's that's basically what other reviews i've read says like for every song in the first movie there's an analog to it except slightly worse right and my thinking is they did this because they didn't want to be accused of ruining a classic so they were like okay we're gonna give you the classic then we're gonna just give it to you <laughs> the exact same thing with some minor tweaks um the brother and sister from the original are grown up and the brother and sister look and act exactly like the mother and father from the original. Um, right. And Dick Van Dyke looks exactly like the banker from the original or the father's is, boss or whatever. Right. Who's the nephew of the banker that he played in the original. So does Lynn Manuel Miranda, is that his name? Yeah. Does yeah. he, does he drop any, uh, Hamilton rhymes? In this yes. Yes. Well, not yes, yet. He, he starts does. rapping okay. a little. Okay. He had scepters and swords and a parliament of lords, but on the inside he was sad. He died because he never had a wisdom for numbers, a wisdom for words. Though his crown was quite immense, his brain was smaller than a bird's. So the queen of the nation made a royal proclamation to the missus and the messes, the more or lessers, bring me all the land's professors. Then she went to the hairdressers, and they came from the east, and they came from the south. From each college they put knowledge from their brains into his mouth. But the king couldn't learn, so each professor met their fate. For the queen had their heads removed and placed upon the gate. And on that day, I stayed there once, I got a note that mate was now the late He was a good addition. He can dance, he can sing, hey. he can do a Cockney accent horribly, just like Dick Van he's, Dyke. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's rapping with cartoon penguins. Like, yeah. It's all right. Interesting. Now, here's the thing. No one seems to be yelling about cultural appropriation when the Puerto Rican puts on the Cockney accent. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, I heard somebody talking the other day about how uh, um, we have this blind spot for Italians that if you if you start talking in a Japanese accent, whatever, that's racist. But if you say, that's okay. You know, I, I, I think it's one another one of those blind spots we have. I've often felt that way, actually, about yeah. the Italians. Yeah. And, and apparently we can just make fun of the Brits whenever we please. <laughs> right. yeah. So you did see it as well, Brian. Is that what you said? I did. I saw it today, in fact. And you had no uh, context for it, basically. 
I mean, other than I had seen scenes, obviously I've heard the songs. Like, it's inescapable, a lot of the content of Mary Poppins. But I don't think I've ever seen it end to end, no. So let me ask you this. Having both seen it and probably me never seeing it, uh, do they have any song that rivals supercalifragilisticexpialidocious? Nope. No. Okay. That's my big complaint, is that I'm not going to remember anything from this movie. I think that if Disney beat your brain to death with these songs the way they did with the other ones, if they played it at Disneyland everywhere you walked, you would get at least one of them stuck in your head. I guess, but I... Well, I thought that. I thought I was a kid when I saw it the first time. You know, and it is magical when you're a kid, because you don't know how all this stuff is happening. But there is yeah, no that- song in there as good as Chim Chimney. No, there's no song as good as Chim Chimney or Supercalifragilistic, or um, there's at least one other that I can't think of off the top of my head. But uh, oh. So there's no all-timers in there, but there's nothing wrong with it. It's like, this is a reasonable facsimile of a 1960s Disney movie. Yeah. Does that clearly really? include Fair. the animation? Did they do yes. mo- so they kept it sort of 60s Disney era? Yeah. Well, yeah. it's... It's it's almost like um, it's almost like they film it in Mr. Toad's Wild Ride because they've got kind of the painted stuff, but it's got this diorama effect to it. So it's hand painted animation, but then it's placed in a three D scene, and so there's sort of these two D characters. It's like Parappa the Rapper or something. Um, so it it and and also they have like costumes that are that are airbrushed to look like they were hand painted, which yeah. is kind of weird. Um, and it's not unlike when they go, it, cause uh, you're talking about the bowl, right? The cracked bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. is the best part. They do a similar thing when they go inside a painting in, uh, the original, but you know, where, where they're, they're wearing clothes of the period, but they don't, yeah, they don't have that. I guess they don't have the hand painted look, but it's the same idea. Right. Interesting. And they do have some computer animated bits too when they they do a bit where they go underwater in a bathtub mm-hmm. and that's more of a modern take. So, here's the thing, right? Mary Poppins shows up. The, there's these three kids in this house who have their shit together better than their parents do. They're well behaved, they're helpful, they're on top of shit, right? And Mary Poppins shows up and teaches them to like screw around and uh, quit being so well addressed and drop acid, lie, and gaslight each other. No, it, um, she teaches them how to be kids. <laughs> <laughs> so I did read, I saw just some brief thing uh, this weekend with Emily Blunt doing an interview. And she talked about her preparation was not watching the Julie Andrews performance, but actually going back to the book. And apparently in the book, Mary Poppins is way more of a, a sassy pants. Oh, that makes that makes sense. So she's yes. not like the, the, the super saccharine Julie Andrews version, but she's more of a, a terse uh, taskmastery type, I guess, is uh, what I understood. Is that I, true? Okay, there. I always thought that Julie Andrews was terse and taskmastery. Uh, and there are parts in here where Emily Blunt smiles or gets into it, and I was like, "That's not Mary. That's not the <laughs> that's not the Julie Andrews Mary." Anyway, okay, she, yeah, she's very much got this thing like, "I know I'm fucking with them, and I'm kind of enjoying it." Yeah, <laughs> kind of thing going on well, when she I- when she slides into the bathtub to for the the bathtub underwater scene. She gets a smile on her face, and I'm like, "Nah, that's not Mary. Come on," because she's think- used to it. She knows all this shit. 
Well, in my head, all I could think was to sort of merge this performance with uh, Emily Blunt's performance in something like Edge of Tomorrow. Uh, and that to me spun off a whole different reimagining of Mary Poppins Endgame <laughs> I, 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 Brian tell me it, when, when they did the dance hall scene right mm-hmm. remember the and, sh, and Mary has that uh, I don't know what you would call it that page boy haircut she looks yeah. an awful lot like Katy Perry right I mean I, I was like there, whoa <laughs> okay. I never noticed I it. yeah so, I gotta say a word here about director Rob Marshall, who also directed the Into the Woods, uh, and he directed Chicago film adaptations. Um, Rob Marshall is credited as one of the choreographers, and I'll be goddamned if his editing didn't go against all the choreography in the big showstopper lamplighter scene. Yeah. Like, they have this big scene with all these lamplighters dancing and spinning on poles, and they're riding bicycles like trick writers and the editing like almost had anti-rhythm to it and would like direct your attention away from the choreography in ways that would just really bug me i don't know (laughs) no i agree but but overall was it entertaining was it good would you watch it again i bet there are little kids who will watch this and get everything out of it that kids in the 60s got out of the original mary poppins and maybe they'll even use it as an entree to see the original and i'm fine with that that was a good evasion but the question was directed at you sir yeah i, right. I i'm gonna say no really uh, go watch the original i'm yeah you'll be fine i i don't i don't dislike it but it's not like you know it's not so like does it have the pa- it. does it have the patina of just uh you know forced marketing let's do it just because we can kind of thing it didn't feel organic when i saw the first trailer and i thought eh, I'll i want to i want to say something about that in general from the disney company right which you because could there's there's a i think it's an eisner quote who was basically like we're not trying to make good movies we're trying to make a lot of movies and inevitably some of them will be good <laughs> and they're really like going to town right now. So next year during the summer, one month apart, we get the live action Aladdin and the live action Lion King. They could have easily kept those a whole year apart. But for mm. whatever reason, they're both coming next summer. Or and they could have easily not made them at all. And I saw the preview for Dumbo. Ooh. Oh, yeah. And from the imagination of Tim Burton comes a shot-by-shot remake of someone else's imagination. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know what that's all about. It's, it, I, I it's saw... weird, right? It's weird that they've, they've latched onto this, hey, let's just make live-action versions of the cartoons that we had in our vault and made well, tons of money with. So I, I saw a video essay, a guy called Movie Bob, who does a whole lot of YouTube videos these days on The Escapist and also on his own on Geek.com. Um, he actually was talking about this, and he talked about it in the context of these new video shorts that are hitting the internet, these Star Wars Galaxy of Adventures shorts. Have you seen this? Mm-mm. No. They're taking audio from the original trilogy, and they're doing animated versions of scenes from those movies to sort of do a quick version of of those movies for kids who don't have time to sit and watch them all and just want to get caught up. Uh. And his his thesis was... That this makes total sense from the Disney perspective. If Star Wars was our our mythology, our legends, then Disney is doing with them what they've done with all of the other mythology and legends, which is that they're creating a new version and a new version and a new version. And so none of the 
none of the actors are necessarily going to be tied with those characters long term. It's just that those characters are going to exist. So it's okay if they recast Han Solo, or it's okay if now Luke Skywalker is just a cartoon character or whatever. They're going to keep retelling these these fables, these legends forever in the same way they've made a live-action Beauty and the Beast based on their cartoon of it. The problem with that is that they don't understand why they were popular in the first place. Like, you can't remake or, I don't know, uh, sequelize the character of Solo without Harrison Ford because Harrison Ford's charisma is what made Han Solo work. I agree. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what Disney's doing. Yeah, I'm not arguing against you. I'm just kicking that out there for all the thousands of Disney employees who listen to this show. Look, these (laughs) these assholes are making a a Maleficent 2, all right? Like, that's a thing we need in the world. Electric Boogaloo? Is is, uh, Angelina going to be in it again? Yes. Oh, yeah. Why? All right. Why would we do that? I like that movie. Uh, Maleficent Endgame. See, you could do it for anything. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, quick Bob Fenster review, uh, Eric from Mary Bob Poppins. Fenster's your uncle. Um, uh, there were parts I liked and others I didn't. Um, yeah, yeah, no, no I, I would say I'd say it's it's a laugh, okay. you know. Go see and, uh, it if your wife refuses to see uh, uh, Spider-Verse. Okay. Oh, is that how you ended up there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what the yeah. hell? Okay, I have an wow. issue with your wife on this, but we'll get wow. there. Okay. Um, my review, three stars, mostly harmless, has no reason to exist in the universe. Except to make a lot of money. I suppose. Yeah. Or to be part of a lot of movies. I believe that was the, that okay. was the thesis, right? So, do you think there will be a Mary Poppins three based on this? No. Okay. I think Fair there enough. will be a Mary Poppins three in another forty years or so. It's like they'll they'll keep coming back <laughs> long term. Okay. I I but I don't think they'll do it for the same reason uh, they didn't make a third uh, National Treasure that Disney has enough series right now. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. So Mary Poppins returned and nobody cared. Uh Endgame. Endgame. End Endgame. Endgame. <laughs> Endgame. Okay. All right. So Chris, you got one? Uh well, I'll just bring it up now because uh we already touched on it, because it's the only movie that I've seen in the last month or so in the theater. Uh but it was uh into the Spider Verse. Yay. And I loved Every minute of it. Yeah. It was, yeah, if you, it was Eric, awesome. if you get to see it, go see it in 3D. Oh, yeah. I want to see I've, it still. Yeah. I've seen it in 3D and I've seen it in 2D. And one of the things that's interesting about it is I don't know if one is better or worse necessarily, um, but um, I think that the the character scenes may actually have worked better in 2D and the action scenes were better in 3D. My wife thinks I'm nuts and says the whole thing is way better in 3D. Uh, I think the reason for that, though, is they do a thing. So you've seen the art style, yeah, where it's it's definitely made to look like it's printed comic books made out of dots. Yeah, they do a thing to fake a rack focus, where the dots are misaligned for things that are out of focus. Oh, and 
when I was watching it in 3D, I couldn't tell if the 3D was just fucked up or not <laughs> in those scenes. But in 2D, it's really obvious. Right. Um, and it's, it's designed impeccably. It's, I mean, it's hey, not just one of the best movies of the year. It's, it's animated or otherwise. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. And what I like about the concept of it is it addresses the problem all these comic book movies have with their continuity. Because there is a uh, Hispanic teenager Spider-Man, and there is a Peter Parker Spider-Man, and there is a, a noir Spider-Man. These, these Spider-Men all exist in their own area. So it's yeah. like, the only way to really experience them all in a movie is to get meta. Yeah. Oh, when Sony Pictures was like, we want to make a, a shared universe with just the Spider-Man license, everybody was like, how are you going to do that, assholes? And they're like, like this? <laughs> yeah. Um, Boom. <laughs> uh, and my only quibble, and it's really minor, and it's super, uh, uh, just a lot of minutia involved with it, but the, uh, the structure in the finale uh, reminded me an awful lot of Big Hero 6, but... Uh, but I'm willing to overlook that because everything about this movie was just fun and fresh and uh, just exuberant. And you, you get a little, you get a little touched up uh, in the, the cockles of the heart at portions of it, which I didn't yeah. anticipate. It's oh, like, then, yeah. it's, it's like, Oh, going. it's like, <laughs> Oh, <laughs> they really deliver on miles Morales. Is yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he so is the hero. And you don't, I mean, you don't necessarily get that from, animated movies in general much less just regular movies or even hero fare i mean they they, they really walked a, a tightrope and they they nailed it and i just i loved it i really i really there's a couple of things i wanted to talk about that i don't want to talk about now because i don't want to spoil it for eric um, no go ahead no i'm not <laughs> no we're not gonna spoil are, it shouldn't get spoiled all right um there's some stuff that's in the trailer that i'll reference though so the uh, the original version of Spider-Man in this movie is voiced by Chris Pine, and it was supposed to be voiced by Tobey Maguire, apparently, but oh. they couldn't get him. But that version, actually, they reference, like, Spider-Man 2 and the Spidey dance from Spider-Man 3. Yeah. And, um, and Chris Pine, somebody on the internet put it, he, he, he completes his transformation into becoming William Shatner. He also is singing the Spidey <laughs> Spider Bells Christmas yeah. Yeah. Uh, record. Spidey Bells, Spidey Bells. Is this who I've become? Selling out my good name for an impulse buy album. Oh, Spidey Bells. Spidey Bells. I'm filled with deep regret. I'm canceling this song's release before the press. Get oh, and uh, and on that note, I do want to thank you, Brian, for prompting me to stick through the credits. Uh, oh yeah, all the way to the <laughs> it's end. It's all the way to the end because they're stinger. They basically trot out uh, Spider-Man cartoon from like '67, and they just do this ridiculous 30-second joke. <laughs> it's just so yeah, stupid, it's, but it's and, so worth it. And by the way, one of the voice actors for that scene is Oscar Isaac. Yeah, they got Oscar Isaac to do. Um, there's, there's one shot, Eric, and you'll know it when you see it. There's a scene where Miles is literally prevented from connecting with his father because of Spider-Man. And oh. <laughs> I think it is one of the all-time great Spider-Man visuals. Yeah. 
Like and the, seriously, it's like touching and poignant and and genius the way it's it's rendered. Yeah, huh. it's uh, it's done really well. And uh, I would also like to add that when you get the actual impetus of Miles Morales uh, getting bit by the spider and to get turned into Spider Man, <laughs> they they played it really well, and it's a very understated, very funny uh, joke. <laughs> actually you don't get like the full-blown oh my god it's just they they really undersell it and it's quite funny (laughs) so they do a lot of unexpected uh twists that really you don't see coming and uh i thought it was really deftly handled and uh, the other thing to look for is just the world building they do a fantastic job of establishing very quickly and very subtly this is not the world you're used to looking at so, like, the police department is PDNY, not NYPD. Huh. Or there are billboards in Times Square for things that don't exist, like Coca-Cola is wrong. Or there's this Seth Rogen movie called Hold Your Horses that has billboards. <laughs> yeah. Um, crap so, yeah. like that. There's a lot to look at. And it, it definitely uh, is going to be on my watch list for later down the line to, to check it out again. Because I, I definitely do think that it's going to reward repeat viewings. I mean, even the end credits before the the scenes, the way they do, the way they lay those out, especially in 3D, is freaking amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just go see it. Yeah. Go see it. Yeah. Everybody go see Spider-Verse. It's I'm, fucking great. I'm just sorry that it didn't come out before we did our end of year show because I would have picked this as my favorite of the year. Huh. Well... There's all of so, 2019 to suck. <laughs> That's true. And uh, I do anticipate that it will. So, yeah. So, I'll, I'll let that lead into one of mine. Um, we'll, just, we'll just keep hitting the big hitters. But uh, I had a song in my head uh, going into this one that went, Aquaman, Aquaman, does whatever Aqua can. Is it cool? I don't know. I just go with the Aqua flow. Whatever. Let's go watch Aquaman. <sighs> Hey, oh, it's Aquaman. It's Aquaman. Why don't you go talk to some fish? Oh, he does. <laughs> um, uh, this I mean, is one big dumb headache of a movie. Uh, <laughs> but in the in the DC universe though, I mean, how does it how does it stand out? Cuz every single one of these new DC movies from uh Man of Steel to now just seems so full of bombast. And nothing oh, else. Oh, it's so bombastic. It is... Okay, this is the cinematic equivalent. If you go to, like, the top ten restaurants in the world and you order their best dishes, okay? And then you throw them all in the same blender and drink that. That's Aquaman. Okay? <laughs> okay. Mm. This is every uh, movie. This movie is Tron. This movie is Crawl. This movie is Indiana Jones. This is James Bond. This is Thor. But Jurassic wait, are, Park. But wait. Lord of the Rings. I'm but still wait. going. <laughs> Aren't all those movies good? I'm still going. Star Wars Episodes 2 and 3, The Perfect Storm, Black Panther, Splash, a little bit of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, and special guest stars The Little Mermaid and Pinocchio. You take all of those movies and you show them on the same screen at the same time, and that's the effect you get of Aquaman, okay? Did did you concoct that list while you were watching the movie i sat and wrote that during the credits because i was calling out all of these things and i can tell you why i reference every single one of them this movie has a waterbender in it this movie has a kraken in it a giant enemy crab it's a monster movie 
It has water holograms and sharks with freaking lasers on their heads. <laughs> sharks with freaking laser beams. I gotta on their tell heads. you what, I am tired of all the movies I go to that have giant crabs. <laughs> <laughs> that is an overdone cliche, if ever there was. But how is Jason Momoa? He's exactly like he was in the trailers and in Justice League. Dude, I never Just saw say, Justice League. Um, he's a he's a dude, bro. Dude, bro. Okay. Yeah, he's a dude, bro, and he's kind of dumb. And Amber Heard is the Little Mermaid, and she shows him up every now and again. Uh, did you, apparently Aquaman is bulletproof. I didn't know that. Mm. Uh, he is in this. Hey, I didn't know Wonder Woman could fly. Did you? <laughs> um, of course, he's bulletproof because people are shooting at him with an automatic weapon inside a submarine. Because you know that's of a good course. idea. Shoot guns well, in a submarine. I mean, have we we've all seen Air Force One. I mean, they're yep. shooting guns in a plane. It's the same thing, right? I do have to give him credit though. When he talks to the fish, they use the circle effect from Super Friends. <laughs> no, sweet no way! On. Oh my god! On. I am not seeing this. Hold back. I am not seeing this piece of shit. Forget it. Does no. it? Does it make the noise too? Now, from Aquaman's brain, telepathic emanations fan out through the deep, summoning a giant sea turtle. I wish it did, but it doesn't make the noise. But there is a character who declares himself Ocean Master. Nice. There's, um, okay, so here's my thesis on, on Aquaman. This is the movie that the dude bro fanboys who hated on The Last Jedi actually want. Okay, this is the movie where there's a chosen one narrative and there's a big muscular macho hero who puts everyone in place with his snark and the enemy is an environmentalist. Um, <laughs> the enemy I, I just, is an environmentalist? Well, in the sense, yeah, in the sense that he, the Ocean Master is pissed off about all the garbage and the pollution that's being thrown in the oceans from the land people and he's going to take it out on the people who live on the land. That sounds good. That yeah. sounds right. I'm I'm behind that. Where where where's yeah. he a bad guy? He has a point. Yeah. Uh he's not really bad. I don't know. I'm this kind is, of with this the, is ba- another the ocean problem. master. This is another problem I have with uh hero movies is generally the bad guy has a point and it is up to the hero to explain why he's wrong and he never does. Exactly. No, he's there's there's no good reason. As, like I said, they're throwing everything at this movie. There is so much movie in this movie. It is it is a lot of movie and i just had this sense of them thinking about that audience and going okay guys well are you fuckers happy now all right well well well, how about this how about if we throw some of this in here's jurassic park you like dinosaurs right okay what the fuck do you people want here it is here's everything just 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 like us well it goes back to the what we were talking about just previously uh i saw the trailer for this thing and immediately, okay, first thing I thought was, well, shit, they've just redone Green Lantern, and is that really the movie that you want to remake when you're trying to <laughs> get a franchise started? And number two, uh, it looked like cobbled together product. I mean, it, there was nothing mm. about it that I went, hey, that looks interesting, I'm going to go see that. I'm like, no. Yeah, it's the way all of the DC movies look that way. It's, it's Black Panther. It's the, it's the king who has to claim his throne from the pretender. The circle of life. <laughs> so. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what to say about Aquaman. Well, um, it's, it, it's, well, it's Aquaman for one. And I, I don't care what the, the pundits say about how in the last 15, 20 years they've made Aquaman cool in the comics. Like, no, no, no. 
It's it's a dude that talks to fish. I mean, come on. And then you get uh, the whole bit they did in the show Entourage, where that was a running joke, where he became uh, the lead in the movie version of Aquaman, and it was just done as a giant fucking joke. Vince, we have to do Aquaman. You you didn't you didn't tell him any of this. No, he told me. He told me. Okay. And Eric also told you that I don't want to do Aquaman. And that that's just how people view it. And I don't know how they can get over the stigma. As much as they want to sell this thing, it's still fucking Aquaman. I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah, this all goes back to, well, okay, Marvel started this, obviously. Uh, but the thing yeah. is, it all started with one movie so good, they were able to keep remaking it and get people to keep coming back. It's like the sense of humor and the the action spectacles and everything from Iron Man kind of live in every Marvel movie. DC doesn't have that. They have a grab for money that they keep trying and keep failing at. And we don't care. You're going to watch it because we spent a lot of money making this. This movie makes you feel like the feel at the end of a Transformers movie. You you just at the end of it, you've got a headache and you're exhausted and you're like, I've been being beaten up by this movie for two and a half hours. Yeah, it's like uh, I need some vitamins and a hot shower. That's how I feel after I watch a Transformer movie. (laughs) And penicillin. yeah, this strikes me as one of those that uh, that another year down the road, we're going to get that late night text from Eric going, I just saw Aquaman, and I got to tell you, it wasn't so bad. <laughs> it's true. I it's that. got all the hallmarks of that. So yeah. we'll see if that plays out. It, it has its moments. It's just that the, it just keeps going and going, and there's so much movie. Yeah. Uh, do you think there's a potential for a sequel? Oh, yeah, it won the weekend big time. Okay. It's probably going to... It actually is outperforming Wonder Woman because there is no God. And well, and, it's, and apparently it's making just a bejesus amount of money in China. I mean, they're loving it overseas. And I if you can, can crack the Chinese market, then, yeah, you're almost guaranteed your sequel right there. No, they'll probably make another one. I think it's going to be a big hit for them. It's To me, it's kind of on the level of Wonder Woman in that I didn't like Wonder Woman as much as everybody else did, but um, maybe a notch below Wonder Woman, but it's it's the second best movie in the DC universe. Then I guess because of that, I think it's funny how (laughs) they can like they can do well with the tertiary characters and they completely fuck up the most obvious ones. You know, Batman and Superman are such a catch cow. Batman was the most reliable movie superhero property ever, and they just... Until they gave it to George Clooney. Well, yeah. That's the thing. It can be done horribly. (laughs) It's like... I I think uh, uh, Christopher Nolan just spoiled uh, Warner Brothers into thinking anybody can do this shit. Yeah. Which, which sidebar, uh, Dark Knight will be hitting Netflix in January. So, you know. Just okay. watch. Just watch that. So, so, before I just dominate the whole show, who else has got more fresh shit? Uh no, I don't. Oh, jeez. I, right. I might Mary, later. I might later. So, Mary Poppins Endgame was all you had. Uh, Nothing. I, I don't really go to stuff. Okay. What else did you oh, have, oh, Mister oh, Spider? Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Uh, Marvelous oh. Mrs. Maisel is on. I've heard. Uh, I've heard good Amazon. things. Very good, very good. Love okay. that show. I think that's why I don't go to movies is because they suck, and there's so many shows on television that are really good. Yeah. Um. Well. Yeah. 
that does lead me into one of the things that I finally uh, caught up on. I started watching The Good Place, fellas. Yay! Yay! How far did you get? Uh, I'm about a little over halfway through the second season. Okay, so you've been through season one. Yeah. You know the gag. I, okay. I totally binged that forking thing. Uh, I love <laughs> yeah. that shirt, man. That fucking, fucking shirt, man. I fucked that up. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I don't know how. I don't know how she does it. Because every time they swear and they they put in fork in her shirt or bench, I'm like, they just they're just rolling it off the tongue like it like it's natural. I'm like, that's just hard. It's like they're actors. Yeah. And someone wrote it. <laughs> Uh, had editors who could Isn't fix crazy? all the screw ups yeah. or something. Yeah, but uh, um, it's it didn't like the first season rolled off and it didn't wow me. I mean, it was entertaining and it was amusing, but as it progressed, I I started to dig it. And then I noticed that Drew Goddard is one of the producers, and I'm like, that's why this thing is structured like Lost. It was bothering the shit out of me. But then, <laughs> but basically, they're trapped in this uh, island thing, and they can't get out, and then they do like little flashbacks to show their character development. And uh, so structurally, it's a lot like Lost, and that really bothered me until I realized what was going on. And then I, I kind of let it go. They did a great job of, of dropping the tease, you know, for the big twist at the end of every episode during the yeah. credits for the next one. Like, oh, but then this was different, Yeah. You know? But I like that uh, that the f- first series was all about Eleanor's journey. Yeah. Uh, and then when the second series started, I was kind of wary because it looked like they were going to just uh, get a little too cutesy. And I was worried. And then when you get the big uh, gist of what the second season is about and you realize that it's Michael's journey, then I'm like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's very well written. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him kudos there. But yeah. so far, it's really fun. And then the, the episode I just finished, or maybe it was the one before, was where they do the literal live-action version of the trolley problem. The trolley yeah. problem. <laughs> <laughs> and they make Cheaty uh, kill just a, an enormous number of people, but it's like blood and viscera and guts all over him the entire time until he freaks out. <laughs> I thought, man, that's awesome. So, yeah. Uh, but I, I do envision this being shown in philosophy classrooms uh, oh, for yeah. till the end of time because it's just perfect little encapsulations of philosophy you know ethics yeah, etc that, that trolley problem episodes an all-timer i think <laughs> but my favorite is when ted danson's like are you paying attention he's like well yeah i think i've solved it it's so basically what i would do is as the trolley is coming down towards the five people i would just fashion a stick with the blade and i would take off the head of the single person and i would kill everybody problem solved <laughs> like, way to think out of the box I, I had a note that one of the things is uh, season three of Good Place has been uneven for me, but the most recent episode, uh, yeah. I won't spoil it, obviously, it's called Janet's. I'll just say this. Janet, the actress uh, who gets to play Janet, plays yeah. all of the characters and plays Whoa. them perfectly. She's yeah. got amazing. She's got really amazing timing uh, because she plays this computer-type robot sentient thing not a robot yeah but she throws in that shit all the time it's like man but the the, my favorite character is the guy that plays jason 
Wanji or John Lee. He's a genius. That, he's he is fucking, a genius. He's fucking amazing because it's like this could very well be the dumbest man on the face of the earth. I mean, it's but just the way how he did, does that with his neck roll and yeah. the, and his eyes look at nothing. And, yeah, I don't know. It's like I was saying to my buddies when we went to see the. I can't even. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's fucking amazing. There's so, an episode yeah. in in the third season uh, where we talk to Donkey Doug some more. Nice. You'll know it when you see it. And uh, I'm pretty sure the guy who played Donkey Doug. Uh, could have auditioned for the role of Jason. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like that uh, when they get to the medium place and it's the woman by herself and she's uh, a cokehead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I'm like, that's perfect. I'm like, that's, that's pretty much where everybody would wind up. I would think so. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> it's been fun. I'll, I'll be looking forward to the third season and then uh, go from there. Very cool. Very cool. Um, all right, so I'll drop a quick one. I went and saw The Greatest Showman again, but this time as a sing-along at the Alamo, what? where they had a little follow the bouncing ball with the top hat going over the words. Have either of you seen The Greatest Showman? Eric Is this did. the one with uh, the Jackman? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've seen it. Okay. You, guys, you guys waxed on and on about it in one of our shows last year. Yeah. And I just sat quietly in the corner, just twiddling my thumbs, waiting for you. It, to it get almost on with wasn't it. as good as a sing along because um, I'm too busy watching the words and I'm not watching all the visuals, and something got lost there for me. So. I recommend actually knowing the songs if you're going to go to the sing-along. This is what I remember from you guys talking about. Brian, you really liked the one song that the girl sang. Okay. And then uh, then the the number with uh, Hugh Jackman and uh, who's the guy in it? Uh, Oh, um, Zachary Efron. Uh, Yeah, yeah. The number with with him in the bar. uh, You guys like that one, too, I think. Yeah, yeah. And there's point, the part think, with the girl on the trapeze, and she swims the up one. just in time to get face to face with uh, Zachariah Efron. And I was really blown away by the way they framed it. Yeah, that's what it was. Okay, yeah, we're all caught. No, it's it's solid. It's still good. Um, we'll move on because we <laughs> did cover that in a previous episode. <laughs> I don't even remember what episode it was, but I wish we could just tell people, "Hey, go listen to that." But the only thing uh, that was right. really missing from that movie, Deadpool. It would have been great if Deadpool had showed up in that <laughs> yeah, movie. Yeah, true, true. Uh, they got beef, um, man. They got beef. Unfortunately, that was not a segue because I didn't see Once Upon a Deadpool. But um, let's see. Is it out? Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's, yeah. Out. it's in theaters. Okay, it's Deadpool two. I don't know that I need to see that. Um, I did see a movie I hadn't seen before. An older movie, not that old. I saw Bad Santa. Ooh. I saw that last year. That one, I love. I love. We went and saw that in the theater when it came out. So that was like oh three oh four whatever. Yeah, two thousand three. But Nancy and I went and saw it. Theater was about half full, and uh, I was just sore from laughing uh, when we left. (laughs) I mean, my face was literally just. I couldn't feel anything because I had been laughing and smiling through the entire thing because it's just so cruel but so funny and you spend the whole time going no 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 <laughs> so. yeah it's not necessarily a Christmas movie at all no. 
<laughs> but uh, but uh, yeah, my favorite line in that whole thing is when they're early on in the bar and the guy that plays the elf uh, and they're divvying up the loot and uh, <laughs> and the bad Santa just looks at him. He's like, have another drink. He's like, I, don't, I weigh 85 pounds, you dick. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I love John a- Ritter in that. With every time uh, Bernie Mac swears, he gets that look on his face of "mew." Yeah, <laughs> and then and then all the bits when they're in the they're having sex in the the change room, and it's just you see the feet, and all you get is the audio: "Fuck me, Santa! Fuck me, Santa! Fuck me, Santa! Yeah. Fuck me, Santa!" <laughs> <laughs> but I love Terry's Wygoff though, because uh, Crumb is an amazing documentary, and Ghost World just cracks me up every time. So I was very excited when this one had come out. So yeah. Yeah, Ditto. I don't know that I have a lot to say about it, but I was pleasantly surprised and entertained. Had you um, never seen it before? No, no, never. Really? Seen it. Now I got to see Bad Santa too. Which oh, I wouldn't. Better I, now that I've seen the trailer. I don't know. In the first one, Elect- hey, it's got <laughs> Kathy Bates being acid tongue. That yeah. that's, that's probably worth it right there. Bad Wait. Santa End Game. No, no, the second one I caught on 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 one of the streaming services. It's dog yeah. shit. Stay away. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's too bad. It's oh, not wait, even funny. It's basically you remember how we made a really funny movie? Yeah, well, um this isn't that. <laughs> but well, you're such it an was idiot, a movie. You watch anything, so here, stupid. You know, that's basically the movie. Well, I I can top I can top that. Uh I have continued my viewing of uh mid seventies Disney live action movies. Oh uh, it's <laughs> The 70s were a weird time for Disney, man. It was like they just gave up the ghosts and they just didn't know what the fuck they were doing, but they were still churning stuff out. But I finally saw, and I haven't seen it since I was a kid uh, at the drive-in, but I watched the movie Gus. Do you know the movie Gus? Is that no. about the donkey? <laughs> it's the place kicking donkey from oh, Yugoslavia. Geez. Gus has never kicked a ball like this before. Andy, can't you get him to try? For the kind of money I laid out, I'm at least entitled to see him miss. Go ahead, Andy. Just try it. Yeah, it's got uh, Ed Asner as the the team owner of the California Atoms, A-T-O-M-S. So it's like a fake team, but it's they still use the real NFL teams as sort of verisimilitude. <laughs> so it's like they're playing uh, the Colts or the the Packers or whatever, and then it's the Adams. So it's like the one made up team because you know who wants to pay all that royalties? It's like fuck. But Ed Asner plays the the owner GM, and they're the worst team in the league, and he can't figure out how to turn it around. And then they see this story about a mule that can kick footballs like a hundred yards, and so they find a loophole in the rule book where they can actually play a, a donkey. And then basically, this is the the predecessor to Airbud. Yeah, well, it's every it's every sports movie. It's Mighty Ducks. It's Bad News Bears. Uh, you name it. It's the oh, it's well, the badass bears. Yeah, ah! or, well, your slap shot. Every sports I mean, it's, movie that had an animal as a team member. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, but Don those. Don Knotts is totally wasted as the head coach because you just don't believe Don Knotts is the head coach of a football team at all. Uh, and then. Uh, Tom Bosley and Tim Conway show up as the comic relief bumbling crooks uh, whose job it is to waylay the donkey so that the team will lose. Because basically it's a whole big thing where there's a bet made where they'll win the Super Bowl and the guy who bet against that is trying to 
fuck it up. I mean, it just doesn't make okay, a lick but, of sense. But what does Fred McMurray do in this movie? <laughs> uh, he he does nothing. <laughs> it's oh, not. It's how is not Fred McMurray not in that movie. Yeah, well, <laughs> I think he was dead by then. That's, but that oh, would have made man. it more interesting. But the whole purpose is like Tim Conway and, and uh, Tom Bosley come up with all these crazy schemes to keep the donkey away from the games. When it's like, if you really just wanted this to end, you just put a bullet in that mule's head and then you're done. But yeah. they come up with these wild schemes, and then the, during the Super Bowl, they kidnap it. And then it gets out, and then they're chasing it, and they wind up in a Ralph's grocery store. Uh, and basically, every stand-up display that has been built has destroyed in some comic fashion. My cabbages! But it's like a ten-minute scene, and it's like, who the fuck is just letting a donkey roam loose in a goddamn grocery store, and the cops aren't showing up? I mean, it was just like, come on, man. Well, I mean, it's a metaphor for our pro athletes and what they can get away with. Ah, I guess. Yeah. But I you. Wanna, I- I, I want I want them to make the other movie about the guy who worked all his life to make it to the NFL, and now a donkey is going to basically take away his dream. <laughs> like, let's see that it's Disney a, movie. Yeah. I actually worked for this, and you're cheating by getting a goddamn donkey. It's it's Rudy Endgame. <laughs> goddamn it! No. Okay, the Endgame thing is getting tiresome. It's it's hurting me. Yeah. Uh, but with, but I'll just leave with this. That uh, so a month or so ago, I had watched Cat from Outer Space with Ken Berry, and uh, and Eric had asked me if it was better than Unidentified Flying Oddball. Yes, uh, which it was. But this Gus uh, is probably one of the dumbest of the lot. And I just thought I was appalled. I, I had to stop it halfway through and then come back to it the next day to finish it. I mean, that's how, how okay. awful it was. No, you stopped it halfway through, and then you didn't have the sense to not restart it. I had to find out what happened. No, you didn't. They won the Super Bowl, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because Gus is preternaturally smart, and he faked an injury so that the shy kid who held the ball as the place kicker for him uh, got to run it in for the touchdown and win the game and build his self-confidence. Well, it's good to know that Gus isn't just, you know, an attention whore. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, it was awful. Okay, willing to, okay here's to the idea for the movie. Will Ferrell playing the head of Disney, and he keeps running around going, we're getting beaten by Snoopy! By Snoopy! And it's all in the 70s, and they keep making all of these shit films, and you yeah. can't believe they're not doing better. And then Eisner yeah. comes along and you know takes it all away and makes it better. Uncle yeah. Walt, endgame. Well, what, they, what you need to do is <laughs> you need to come up with all of like the weird cameos because that's what these '70s Disney flicks have rolling for them. Is they yeah, get just a, a shit ton of cameos. Like uh, in this one, uh, what's his name? Hogan from uh, Hogan's Heroes. Bob Crane, oh, Crane. Oh my God. shows up yeah. as a as the sports announcer, <laughs> uh, but he looks really tired from all the drugs and sex that he's been yeah. having in real yeah. life. I mean, it's just creepy. <laughs> So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love anything with him. He is yeah. just disturbing on sight. I, I, I would probably watch this just for him to, to yeah. see, you know, like the slow, the soul slowly leaving his body. Yeah, this one, this one's all right. But then if you really want to watch that, uh, there's a one, another Disney flick from the same era called The Boatniks that uh, hmm. takes place at like a yacht club. I'd recommend that one. Is that the one where he water skis, kind of? Yeah. 
Somehow we're still talking about this movie. I'm, I'm oh yeah. What else you with this. What else you got? Oh, Brian? I've got a f- I've got a few more. Okay. Um, all right, some more Christmas counter programming. I went and saw Anna and the Apocalypse. How's that? Have you have you seen anything of it? Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, it's I a zombie-ish flick. Is a yes, it's from Scot- Scotland. It's a Scottish oh. high school Christmas zombie musical. Oh, that sounds terrible. Of yeah. course. <laughs> it's it's, Imagine- it's it's this low budget zombie movie. I mean, it's got a lot. It's Shaun of the Dead meets um I don't know, high school musical, I guess. I think I'm dead. as you're as you're spewing these off, Brian. I'm just en- envisioning the the coke fueled pitch meeting <laughs> where they were getting money I, for it. I if hey, if this movie had come out in 1989, y'all would have been all over this shit. Um, okay, this is exactly the sort of movie we were into back in the day. How does um, it compare to something like Warm Bodies? I haven't See, seen I would have thought. Okay. How does it compare to um, Nice Girls Don't Explode? Oh, way it's got way that more feel blood. to it. Way okay. more blood. Um, okay. <laughs> and better singing. Um, no, this is, I mean, it, it's, if you, if you see the trailer, you get a pretty good sense of what it is. It's a, it's a low budget kind of Rocky horror level of enthusiasm among the cast. Mm-hmm. Um, they're really going for it in the singing. The lead uh, actress named Ella Hunt, who looks distractingly like a young Katie Holmes. Uh, but she's the real deal. She's she's got a career ahead of her. Is Katie um, Holmes old now? Um, older than you'd think. Oh, but, yeah, yeah. I guess um, old enough to squirt one out. Yeah, yeah. It's really not. <laughs> it's really not much of a. The Christmas is more of just a setting than anything else. It's really just a zombie movie with singing. Um, but they've got. Do the zombies sing? Um, no. I think they try to, and it sounds about like that. Yeah. Um, (laughs) it's a a, musical it's a musical there's well there's actually like a a song where they're like this is not gonna have a hollywood ending there but uh probably one of the better songs is the song where the douchey ex-boyfriend jock guy has found his true calling which is that he's he just loves killing zombie zombies and so he's got a song about that no time for weakness when the undead Anyway, that character, uh, yeah. I enjoyed it. It was fun. Okay. Right on. Well. Um, I got a couple more, and then I'm finally exhausted on this. Okay. And then I've got one more when you're done. All right. I got an iPhone. Oh, hey. Let's (laughs) talk about your iPhone. I got an iPhone 7. Uh, I I returned the one I got from my carrier, because this this is how bad I get ripped off. They, it, it was like what eight hundred dollars for the you know rest of my life, and 
it had 32 gigabytes of memory, so I couldn't store shit on it. Uh, I got, I yeah, returned no, that to right. them. Yeah, I returned that to them and said, seven. forget it. For and for four hundred dollars, I got a hundred and twenty-eight gigabyte phone that with that product red look that I dig, and uh, uh, I turned in a bunch of change and 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 aluminum cans and actually got it for like two forty. So, so what kind of phone is it then? iPhone seven. Oh, okay. So an iPhone seven. Yeah, that. So that's much more like the price you should have paid for a seven. Yeah, okay. yeah, and and it's perfect. It's everything I need. It's not made of glass like that eight, which is going to shatter and fall all the fuck apart. Uh, yeah, I think I'm set for the rest of my life here. Can you play Minesweeper on it? Oh shit! No, I gotta get another phone. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, and I would just like to let listeners know that we did an episode over the summer uh, all uh-huh. about telling Eric what kind of cell phone to get. Yeah, because I, uh, I was kvetching over all the different options. And uh, in the end, I went with uh, you know the one that wasn't Google. Yeah. Five months later. Yeah. <laughs> You're very deliberate in your yeah. anticipation. I okay. am. I am. But it, it took my BlackBerry finally not, you know, like working in even the most basic way for me to go, okay, all right, I give up. Cool. All right. Congratulations. Yay. Mm. Yay. Now Eric is more likely to get a text message from us than he was before. So that's good. Yes. Uh, that's yes. the real thing, is that I was missing all these conversations about the podcast, so now I can actually catch some of them. Oh, shit. Yep. <laughs> Damn it. So, Chris, you had another one? Uh, thank you, Brian, for sending me the Beastie Boys book. Ah, um, yes. I've been reading that, and it is jolly good fun. It's uh, I don't normally get into the like the music biography stuff because uh, a lot of it's pretty rote, paint by numbers. Uh, but this one's actually pretty fun. In true Beastie Boys fashion, they really don't do it like a normal. This is what we did, and this is when we did it. I mean, it's just a lot of. Uh, recollections by the two surviving members um mike diamond and adam horowitz because adam mm-hmm. yauk died like 10 years ago i guess uh from the cancer uh but this so is all in, about in their... the absence of the ability to release another beastie boys album you get a book yeah yeah <laughs> uh but it's got all kinds of archival pictures and and fun and uh guest uh presenters giving their two cents occasionally um and it's a lot of fun i'm up to i think where they're just past recording ill communication uh getting ready to do the Lollapalooza tour or something uh nice but it's just i mean they're three lifelong friends that grew up in new york together and just sort of never moved past the hey let's do this that should be fun kind of a thing. And it's really, it, it's kind of envious uh, mm. that they managed to do that. I mean, they, they had a lot of luck involved with their success, but at the same time, uh, they stuck to it. It sort of, it reminded me a lot of like the shit that we used to do, but we were like, yeah, fuck it. This is dumb. Let's move on. <laughs> uh, and here we are. Uh, but not, I, I forget. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but I forget that they started as a hardcore band because they're really super into punk and then in the early 80s, because it's New York, they 
started hearing like Grandmaster Flash and Sugar Hill Gang and all that kind of stuff, and then Run DMC, and then just said, oh, fuck it. We've done everything we can with hardcore. We need to be rappers. And then the rest <laughs> is history. And I, I spent a lot of time last week listening to their albums again, just as a mm-hmm. refresher. And uh, I always forget how goddamn funny License to Ill is. Because it's just <laughs> it's just a straight up goof on rap music, and that's what I think a lot of people missed at the yeah. time. They just thought, oh, it's a bunch of white boy rappers. It's like, no, this is like them going, oh, look at the fucking stupid. We're frat blue blue blue. Well, is Rick Derringer. Um, is that his name? The producer? Rick Rubin. Uh, Rubin. Rick Rubin. Sorry, where did I get there? Anyway, yeah, Rick Rubin. Um, Rock and roll hoochie kind of doing his thing, right? And he's like yeah. playing the guitar on a lot of that. And I just remember, yeah. like, that was the Truck Box album in 1986, right? Like, every damn day you're trying to go to school, and like, Truck Box is just driving down the street playing lights and It's got some funny cuts, but uh, like Paul Revere is still one of my favorites. Like every time I see him in, in concert, they end up playing it. And I think the last one I saw was uh, like late 90s. They were at Compton Terrace and they started Paul Revere. And then the whole crowd started singing along. Oh, sure. And then the Beastie Boys just stopped and just like held up their mics and let the whole crowd sing the entire <laughs> fucking song. It was amazing. Because <laughs> it's yeah, all Here's a little story I got, I got to, to tell about three bad brothers, brothers you know, you know so, well. so well. It started way back in history with that rap. Yep. Uh, but it's pretty cool. But then it, but it gets into all of like the weirdness. So they, they got sort of sucked into the persona after License to Ill, and they're very super apologetic about what assholes they were. Uh, and then they got signed with Capital, made Paul's Boutique, and that thing tanked. Uh, which is, Which is unfortunate. Genius. Genius. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's them and the Dust Brothers, I guess, did the help them out, and that's oh, really? before like the hardcore, like desktop sampling that everybody's used to now. Because you can make a song oh, yeah, like that on your phone, basically. There was sampling at that point, but it was mostly turntable action on that album, I believe. Well, they had to do like they could, they had samplers, but you can only do like a second or two. I mean, it was yeah. a really super brief. And then they would they would tape it, and then they would loop the tape apparently, so like strung all around the room so that you could get one continuous thing while they nice. did another recording. I mean, it's just insane the stuff that they had to do. So I'm, I, I got mad props for them just reading this book because you don't really think about the technical stuff that they had to do. Uh, it was pretty impressive. And then they, when you get to Check Your Head, which is probably my favorite album of theirs outside of Paul's Boutique, where they actually started to do their own sort of sound and they get into the funk yeah. stuff where they start sounding like the meters and things like and they that. They start playing instruments it's, again. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's pretty cool. So yeah, it's uh it's it's like a, it's a fat fucking book too. I mean, the thing like uh 600 pages. I mean, it looks like like a construction brick. It's a massive 
Uh, <laughs> but it's it's fun. It's a good read. I would recommend it if you're into those uh, nice. fellows. Mm, I'll, so, I'll be interested so in you. hearing about the backstory on To the Five Burrows sometime because I really dug that album. Yeah. I haven't and, listened to that one enough, but yeah. I, I just want to say thank you too, Brian, for the gift you gave me, which... Uh, holy shit, I had no idea that Xbox Game Pass had so much shit on it. It's it's startling. I, uh, <laughs> I'm looking through this going, oh, I almost paid money for this thing. Oh, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah, definitely play the 2016 Doom, Eric. It's, Doom? Doom. Yeah. Doom. 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 It's legit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, there are a bunch of games in here I, I was going to buy because, like I said, they're cheap now. And, uh, yeah, now I have a pass to play these things. Thank you very much. That was the most considerate gift possible. Thank you very much. Very, very awesome. Thank you very much. That's the nicest thing anyone's ever done for us. That's Ooh. Brian's theme song. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, I got another movie. Uh, I got I got two more us. movies that I want to hit. But first, um, okay. I went and saw Widows. Um, Widows. I've heard is mixed a on that. Is it good? Thriller. It's good. It's um, Viola Davis is the lead, and she plays the wife of a guy who would run uh, jobs, and she's getting screwed by the mob, and getting pinched, and she's got his notes on the next job he was going to pull and she decides to pull the job all of this is in the trailer um and yeah. she recruits uh some of the wives of the other people in her husband's gang husband dead husband is liam neeson um but she recruits michelle rodriguez and um a couple other women and, Wasn't this uh, the it's Steve McQueen, the, the the same guy that did Twelve Years a Slave, right? Yeah, his... that which is not the Steve McQueen from Bullet, right? He's a black director. Uh, yeah, it's not it's not Bullet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that always confuses me. But yeah, no, it's it's really good. Uh, my wife had a criticism of it because she had gone in going, okay, we're gonna get a you know a hard edged feminist heist movie about all these women, and there's actually quite a bit of politics chicago politics featuring colin farrell and robert duvall uh in this movie and i think the reason for that is that really this is a movie about chicago um it is you know having been to detroit a number of times i realized that chicago and detroit must look very similar they're not far apart geographically but this movie looks a lot like detroit um so it looks very believable and it's about how the local politics are corrupt and how the mobs are, are entrenched and how all of those things are just screwing this woman over and her attempt to get out from under it. Um, so Viola Davis more- is the face of pain. Like, she is so good at that. <laughs> so it's more like an art, fil- art house film, right? It's not like a big... Oh, no, no. It's a... It's a guns and heist and... Uh, okay. Yeah, no, it's not a. I wouldn't call it an art house film at all. It's it's a gritty crime movie, I guess. Okay. It's is it is it a middle aged set it off? <laughs> I haven't seen set it off, but it's definitely middle aged. Okay, that's deep cut, Eric. Deep, yeah. deep cut. Thanks. Good that's one. That's what I thought when I saw the preview. I was like, I've seen this movie. Oh, with high Queen five, Latifah. man. 
High five, sir. Thank you. <laughs> here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then uh, what else have you guys got? Anything? Am I just running this crazy long? Uh, that's really all I've been occupied with. Uh, apart from just all the standard cockamamie Christmas stuff. I think I've rewatched White Christmas like four times now because it's just been on repeat. I'm fucking sick of it. So that's all I've got. <laughs> Yeah, Eric, you I, got uh, anything else? I really don't. I wish I did. I really don't. I, okay. uh, I, all I do is is watch, uh, um, you know, a- a Netflix shows with the wife. Okay. Oh, I forgot a game. I got a, I got a real quick drop a game hey. here. So I told you about the PSVR. I bought a game that completely justifies the existence of the PSVR. It's called Beat Saber. Beat Saber. Beat Saber. Beat Saber. It's like is... a porn Star Wars. <laughs> End game. <laughs> it's not as good as the game Eric just described, unfortunately. No. Uh, Beat Saber is basically Guitar Hero, but you have two lightsabers in your hands instead of a guitar. And so blocks of two different colors come down a, a track at you, and you have to whack them with these lightsabers. And they're very responsive, and it's very 3D. And it just really plays to the strength of the medium. It's a lot of fun. So is it like uh, like 3D, like Battlezone 3D? Is it, is it that level? I mean, level? you've got a VR helmet on your head, right? So these things are coming at you from further away. It's very convincing 3D. And uh, yeah, you gotta. It's like it's like badass fruit ninja. I don't know. Let me ask you about the <laughs> VR experience. Do they have any photorealistic, I guess? Yeah, yeah, they do. That Moss game I was describing is, is more or less photorealistic. I don't think it's the technology's quite there to really, really sell you on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you see some good 3D stereoscopic 360 video, um, that's, that's pretty compelling content. I still think that something yeah. like that, where you've got a camera in a physical space and you're chatting with people somewhere else, is the real killer app for VR. I would like it for a tour, you know, of a museum oh, yeah. or a, you know shit I'm not supposed to be able to see or stuff that's too dangerous oh. to go to. Like, like basically the next step for the IMAX. There's there's a uh, there's a video I watched and I watched it on a streaming service, so the the quality wasn't as good. I wish I could get like a full resolution version of it, but it was shot on the international space station and yeah. so you're oh and yeah it's a 3d vr 360 film in the space station you're you know you're going through the space station you look out the window and there's the earth you know and that's really fucking cool so That'd stuff like awesome. that yeah it's great um and then okay i got one last movie so I don't know if you've ever seen the video that was going around on uh, on the internet a while back that was like the greatest Bollywood action scene ever. Um, mm-hmm. But I saw in the theaters the sequel to that movie. That movie was, the English name of it is Robot. I saw 2.0. Oh, is this the 2.0, yeah. <laughs> I saw you in time with that and I watched the trailer. That thing oh, looks insane. my God. <laughs> it is complete. This is 3D dumb done right okay this is the 3dest 3d movie you've ever it's shot in 3d it's so the, the 3d really good oh it is like the credits are just like way more 3d than any other 3d movie you've seen um okay what is this movie um well 
at one point, it's a movie about uh, killer cell phones. All the cell phones in India fly away from their owners, causing mass chaos, and then the cell phones start killing people. Oh. In really cool ways, too. <laughs> yeah. like there's and they're all scene. Blackberries. Well, they're every cell phone. <laughs> like, there's one scene where this guy is like goes into his bedroom and lies down in his bed and then all of a sudden every surface in the room is lined with cell phones but you haven't been able to see it and they all start buzzing and light up at the same time and then they fly into his stomach and destroy him <laughs> that's that's um, like every bus I've ever been on <laughs> and then eventually the cell phones join to form a giant kaiju and um, then this is interrupted like by do. like a half hour commercial for the Audubon Society and then uh, we finally get our what we really come for which is dad bod Indian Elvis robot superhero um, yeah it's it, when I saw the trailer it, it struck me as it uh, sort of like the mask that's what it had the a vibe it, it has that vibe to you can, it but it's like yeah it's like there's a whole bunch of these robots and they can like form a giant sphere and they're all holding machine guns and shooting in every direction and fighting yeah. the kaiju made of stealth cell phones and it's just bug fuck crazy um i still recommend you go seek out the original uh movies ending because i actually think that i mean they recycle some of the gags from that in this and i actually think that some of the gags from the original movie were more inventive than what's in this movie maybe um but it's it's a big big crazy long indian movie it's apparently the the most expensive movie budget in the history of indian cinema hmm. ever um the other thing which you know that that just means quality that's all that means <laughs> uh it certainly means special effects um <laughs> uh one so thing they do in in this movie that i i have never seen before every shot that has a character that is smoking has a smoking will kill you disclaimer in the corner now, nice. apparently, submachine guns will not kill you because there is no disclaimer <laughs> of any of the shots of submachine guns. So, just the cigarettes, folks. But, yeah. Well, I'm surprised that... Uh, so, uh, out of everything that we've mentioned here, I'm surprised that none of us ran out and saw uh, Mortal Engines because that's what this is making me want to do. I had meant to do that, but the reviews were lower and <laughs> when I When does a review ever first. stop you? When does that ever happen? <laughs> well, actually what what stopped me was it came out the same weekend as Spider-Man and I wanted to see Spider-Man. What's this first. Mortal Engines? I don't know what this is. Mortal Engines is some sort of dystopian future thing where the world is wrecked and they put all of the cities on like wheels basically oh, oh i did see the preview for that i thought <laughs> yeah. oh my god that looks nightmarishly awful yeah it's sort of like uh like a mad maxi thing but it's just cities instead i couldn't yeah. figure out what the hell it was uh but it's from the makers of lord of the rings yeah it's a concept that makes you go but why yeah it's basically uh hal's moving castle <laughs> mixed with mad max is basically what it is no, it made me think of uh, the Crimson Permanent Assurance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly, exactly. No, uh, Mortal Engines so, and Bumblebee are on my short list. I still got to see them, but I didn't get okay. there. I've actually finally exhausted my list. I'm shocked that you did not see Mortal Engines. I, I'll get around to it. <laughs> you, you proved me wrong. 
<laughs> I was too busy watching 2.0. When you knew. Which, if you want big yeah. dumb effects movies, seriously, 2.0 in 3D is totally worth the, the ticket. Okay. It's well, so all right. goofy. All right. Well, anyway, well, so this is why we didn't have a sub topic this, for this week because we've already gone like the full length, and it's just been me talking about all the crap I've been watching. It's been magnificently huge. Endgame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, as they say, fresh goes better. So fresh. And join us next week for a real episode of the magnificently huge podcast. Where yeah, we'll, we'll actually talk about uh, something other than this kind of stuff but just be prepared because we do talk about stuff a lot and that's why we're here for you <laughs> we'll play a beat saber and that about wraps it up for another magnificently huge podcast join us every week we talk about this and then we also talk about actual topics maybe we'll talk about one next week we'll see as always, reach out to us on our website, maghuge.com. Hit us up on Twitter, at maghuge. On Facebook, at magnificentlyhuge. Uh, Instagram, magnificentlyhuge. Please give us uh, ratings on your podcast app. Subscribe to the podcast. Share it with your friends on social media. And uh, if you want to reach out on email, email us, magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. We'll catch you next time for even more of this. This has been a magnificently huge podcast.